there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about this internal din. You remember there was a film one time, I think it's a South African film, uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy. And it was about this little indigenous person who lived in the plains or somewhere, and out in the bush, I guess they would say. And somebody in a plane going overhead threw a Coke bottle out. And I, I don't know whether it hit him or what, but it fell down. And he picked it up and he, because his world was just this little world of his own tribe and his own language and nothing else. He didn't understand planes or cars or things like that. He found this and he wanted to know why the gods threw this down there. So he went on this big search for this, what is this thing, this Coke bottle, and what's it for? Why did the gods do this? And that's the whole, the film was the gods must be crazy. Well, it starts off with these people in an office in this big city. And uh, one woman says to this guy, is the noise in my head bothering you? And so it's like, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that internal din. It's difficult to grasp how influenced we are by the world in which we live and the people with whom it's populated. Nearly 7 billion people mill about on planet Earth daily, having thoughts and feelings, impressions and reactions that emanate out in all directions as vibrations. If we could hear it all at once, it would be a terrible din. A din, for those of you who are not that familiar with the English language and have a little trouble with it, is a loud, unpleasant and prolonged noise. Without filters, we might be driven mad. If we didn't have ways of filtering out all of the vibrations that were constantly flying through this room right now, we would probably go crazy. But we do have filters. First of all, we have the limitations of our own sight and hearing. You know that a dog can hear things that you can't hear. A cat can hear things that you can't hear. You can see colors that a dog or a cat can't see. But a dog can smell things that you could never smell. These are all vibrations in the real world, in the real scientific world of reality, the world in which we live, the physical plane, that world. In the sensory world, those are all vibrations. Yes, smells are vibrations, sounds are vibrations. All the colors that you see are different frequencies of vibration. That's what light waves are and sound waves are. They're vibrations, and they come in the form of waves, frequencies. And so we have filters. As we are, our filtering is all wrong, though. That's the problem. Now we're going to switch from the outside to the inside. We're not going to talk so much about our outside filters. We're now going to start to talk about our internal filters. Just like we have limitations on our hearing, limitations on our seeing, limitations on what we can smell and what we can taste, which are also vibrations. Instead of talking about that, we're now going to talk about internal filters that we have and the limitations that we have and how that causes problems for us. For example, some chance remark or the way we're being treated causes resentment to swell and flood us emotionally. It's just something that happens. Then begins the internal din. Now you know what I'm talking about. The internal din is all of those voices, all of those sounds, all of those thoughts, all of those things that you think and the things that you feel inside when someone, some chance remark, has insulted you or treated you in a way that you don't deserve to be treated or been unjust to you or unkind to you or whatever to you. 
that din then starts to rise. As a matter of fact, it is a flood, and sometimes it can absolutely overwhelm us. We have no other thoughts. All those other thoughts are just washed away, and what's left is this resentment toward this person. It can be very difficult to overcome. We fail to grasp that there are 7 billion other people feeling resentment at the same time as us. Now we're back to the scale idea. If you can scale yourself properly and see that there are nearly 7 billion other people who are having resentments at the same time that you're having resentments, how can I say that (laughs) easily? This is Earth. The people on Earth are machines, sleeping machines. Now, are all of them asleep? Enough of them to be able to say with impunity, yes. How many of them are awake? Not 1%. It would be much less than a percent. So a fraction of a percent are awake. Now, to what degree are they awake? Well, that's another matter. That's another question. Because there are varying degrees of sleep and awakeness. You know yourself, your own life and your own scale. You can be more awake or less awake. You can be more asleep or less asleep. Same with everyone else. So when we can see that that there are nearly 7 billion others feeling resentment at the same time as us, our resentment then has a tendency to begin to dissolve a little. It's put into perspective. And so the flood will recede a little bit. The flood of emotions of resentment will recede a little bit. And you have a little more freedom, a little more breathing space. And so you might be able to do something about it. This is why I mention it. I don't talk about these things just to annoy people. Although I realize that some people think that I do. It's funny. Lately, I've been getting some things about, well, one of the things that attracted me to your podcast was that you're sarcastic about the truth. You tell the truth in a sarcastic way. And I think, well, you know, you can't school everybody on the English language. But sarcastic comes from the Greek sarks, to, to gnash teeth, to cut, and sarks is flesh. And sarcastic means to cut the flesh, to, to, to gnash teeth, to cut the flesh. And that is not my intention as a rule. Sometimes it is my intention. But my intention more often is to be facetious. That is to be flippant with the truth, to not worship it and bow down to it, but to submit to it and to treat it as if it's something that you need to learn how to handle. If you handle deadly snakes, you can't be too cautious, but you can't be too flippant either. If you're too cautious, you're not going to touch them at all. If you're too flippant, you're going to get bitten. That's why all these people who handle snakes, they know their chance of being bitten. So they have the serum right there. They have serums. They keep serums in stock in their refrigerator. And so if they're bitten, they go and they get the serum and they inject themselves. Why? Because they know. And so in this work, I understand that this may be a poisonous snake or it may not be a poisonous snake. (laughs) You don't know. And sometimes you get bitten. And so you've got to be cautious, but you can't be too cautious because then you won't do anything. So I approach the truth in a kind of a light manner because I think that's really the best way for modern man to approach it, lightly. We can see that the religious approach didn't work so well for people. They started to get very serious and very heavy, and then that led to them getting very self-righteous and very holy, and then that led to them persecuting people who were not like themselves. The work does that too, but I don't want to go down that path. See, the work has turned into a religion too, but that doesn't mean I have to let it be a religion in my life. And that doesn't mean that I have to become the head of some religion or preach some religion. And the only way to do that is to point out the places where we have problems. And some people get very annoyed with that. They don't like that because they haven't discovered that in themselves yet. And when you haven't discovered something in yourself yet and someone says it, it tends to be annoying. You get that? Good. And then what do you get? Internal din. You get a rise of resentment. And that, of course, for anyone in the work is a sure sign that they have a problem. But you have to be in the work 
really in the real work. That means really working on yourself, not just reading the books and going to meetings and talking the talk, but actually walking the walk, actually doing it yourself. Then that comes up and you say, you know, I would like to rip that person's eyes out or tongue out or whatever it is, or I'd like to break his fingers for writing that. But I realize that it's really in me. And as distasteful as this may be to my wonderful, perfect self, I'm going to look at it there and cut this poor guy some slack. That's rare. It's just people just don't do that. And that's why I say there are more people who are in their religious work, the exoteric fourth way, than the esoteric fourth way. And that goes across the board for all religions. So if you want to be mad, go ahead and be mad and enjoy it. If you like swimming in a flood of resentment, enjoy yourself. I'll provide ample opportunity for you to fill the pool if that's what you like. Or you'll provide ample opportunity to fill the pool and you'll steal my water to do it because that's what people do when they take offense that I didn't give. They're stealing. So if you're stealing from me, well, it's your karma. I give freely. So what is this inner talking in us that goes on endlessly? It's really the different eyes talking. We don't touch on this nearly as much as we need to. You're not one. You are many. And all that noise in your head is the different eyes talking. That mob, that crowd, that legion. We talked about legion. Those differing views and opinions all contradicting and screaming in your head or whispering. Those are the worst. The screamers, at least, you can ignore or slap down. But the, the whispers, they can be tough. Or the ones that you think are you, they're the worst. When you think, I think. When you say, I think, oh, you're in trouble. First of all, you don't. I don't what? You don't think. What you do cannot be called thinking, not properly, not in a work sense, because it's not directed. It's more associating. That's what we do. It's a wonderful opportunity to observe what the work teaches about the nature of being. We're not one, but many different eyes. This is what the work teaches about the nature of our being. We are not one. We are many different eyes. This is very, very difficult to accept. So you must observe it for yourself. You must see for yourself different eyes in you. You must be able to observe them as if you were looking at an interesting stranger. Because we live in a physical body which is integrated, we imagine our psychological body is integrated as well. It's not. It is truly legion. Psychologically, we are truly a legion. There are so many eyes inside of us that we can't count them all. Don't even bother trying. Now, for you spreadsheet mathematicians who just can't resist, enjoy yourself. Email me and tell me how many you found. That'll be wonderful. I'll mark it down somewhere and we'll come back to it another time. Honest, I really will come back to it another time. And I really do mean it. If you have to do it, go ahead, email me, and I'll, and I'll mark it down somewhere. And when I have enough, I'll take I'll have a consensus. Okay, we have between six and seven, blah, blah, blah. Add as many zeros as you like. That's what people end up doing, that many eyes. And remember that when you start adding zeros to the number zero, it represents nothing. Zero is zero. It's not negative. It's not positive. It's zero. It's in between that. So when you're adding zeros to a number, you're adding nothing except a placeholder. The trick of our work is to stay out of it. Hold yourself in check, apart from taking sides with any of the voices talking when we're in a state of resentment. This is the trick. And is it a trick? Well, it will seem like a trick when you actually try to do it and you realize that you can't do it. You'll go, well, what's, what's the key to this? What's the trick? How do I do this? Practice, practice, practice. You just have to keep on practicing and you have to keep on reminding yourself of how to practice properly because only perfect practice produces perfect results. Imperfect practice produces imperfect results every time. So you've got to practice properly, which means you need to slow down and you need to really think about what you're doing. But that's difficult for us because we think we already know everything. Now, if you're one of those people who has in your head saying, I do not 
<laughs> just remember, that's just some I. That's just some little I that's screaming at you right now. Because you're not one. You are many. Only we can hope to begin to observe different eyes at work in us. Some are quite extreme, so it's difficult for us to allow ourselves to see them. Others are quite subtle, so it's difficult to find them, to distinguish them. Why I say only we can begin hope to begin to observe them is because if someone else points them out to us, we usually get annoyed or we don't believe them or we have objections to whatever it is they're pointing out or we have justifications to justify whatever it is that they're pointing out. Yes, it's there, but this is why it's there. We have so many lines of defense. We are so well defended. We are such a fortress that anything coming from outside usually does not make it in. It can make it in, but there's a special way for that to happen. Usually only a teacher can get through. And usually the only reason a teacher can get through is because you have opened the gate to one person. Now, does that mean you've opened the gate to one person? No. It means really you've opened a crack of the window and they may be able to say something through the window. You're not going to really let them in. That takes a lot of time. That takes years and years and years to be able to really trust someone enough to let them in. You all know this because you've been here for a while. But people out there may not know this. They may not get that just yet. Some eyes speak in pictures rather than in words, giving you visions of doing violent things to your enemy. Yes, okay, we've got a couple nods, so you know you have to let these things sink in. Do you ever get pictures of doing things to people like they give you visions of violent things to do to your enemy. Their revenge is as quick as lightning, so much so we can't stop it. What then can we do? Well, it's more a matter of what we don't do than what we can't do. Don't mix your will with it. Don't go with it willingly, gladly, like you've been invited to a party and oh, we're going to a party and you just run down the road with it. Oh, yes, this is wonderful. And you get revenge on your enemy. Don't go willingly. How can you do that? Well, you have to stop. You must stop yourself. But what if I can't? Try. What if you're in your car and you're going 60 miles an hour and you see a ball bounce out in front of you. And then at the corner of your eye, you see a kid coming down the driveway. What do you do? Well, you apply the brakes and maybe swerve hoping to get a little more time or space. What if your brakes don't work? Do you just go back to the gas pedal? No. You keep pumping the brakes, don't you? You go for the emergency brake. You think about putting it in park or doing whatever, or downshifting, whatever you can do. You try to think about ways to stop. Now, of course, this isn't true for you, because if you were doing 60 and the ball rolled out in front of you, you just hit the kid, and you wouldn't be able to do anything about it. So that was a kind of extreme example. Try 25. <laughs> That's better. 25, and you see the ball, and you see the kid, and then you try and stop, but the brakes don't work. What do you do? Do you just quit? No, you keep trying. And that's what you do with this. You may not be able to not go with them, but you can try not to. And that in and of itself is going to help. So don't mix your will with it. Don't identify with it. This is the strongest thing you have. Don't identify with it. That is not I. That is not I that wishes to do that. That is not I that has that picture of revenge. I do not wish to get revenge. The only way you're going to do that is you're going to have to remember a better I. You're going to have to remember an I that knows this work, that has grasped an idea about this work. You're going to have to remember that I in that moment and you're going to have to go with that eye. Because if you go with the eye that wants to kill, that wants to get revenge, then you're, you're doing what you've done your whole life. You cannot ever change doing what you've always done. You must begin to think differently in a new way in order for any change in your behavior or your being to come about. If you're the type with other more subtle eyes, not able to imagine yourself as violent, rather you would congratulate yourself that you're not violent, observe those eyes. 
because they are just as insidious and just as wicked and just as evil to your work as the violent eyes that rush right in to shed blood. And if you consider yourself a better person because you don't rush right in to shed blood, you may be in a worse position than the person who does rush right in to shed blood. Because the person who does rush right in to shed blood knows when I say that. He or she knows who they are. They hear it and they say, yeah, that's me. And they don't like it. Well, they're beginning not to like it. They're, they're starting to not like it. And they're starting to work against it. But the people who are still congratulating themselves that they're not like that, they're really lost. They're really in trouble. Because they're still willfully going with that eye. And any little eyes, whether they're self-hating or self-congratulatory, they're still self-love eyes. They're still self-emotion eyes. They're still self-eyes. That's not going to get you where you need to be in this work. They suggest clever devices, these subtle ones. Rather than just the straight go-for-the-juggler method, they suggest clever devices to bring about the downfall of the enemy who insulted you. Now, here's another thing. It doesn't mean you've got either or. You've got both. I know somebody who will visually kill them mentally and then realize, oh, well, I can't get away with that and then think of how to plot their downfall. So if that level doesn't work, then drop down to the next level. Okay, we'll try this then. And well, if that doesn't work, okay, we'll try this then. And so they've got to sort through all of that. Well, you have got to sort through it too. You may be sorting through it from the ground up rather than from the top down, but you still have to sort through it. What I'm trying to say is, if you're one of the violent types, you're sorting through it from the top down, from the violence down to the degrees of violence, less and less violence. If you're congratulating yourself that you're not the violent type, you have to now sort through it from the bottom up. You have to start where you are and then climb up to that place where you are violent. Because it's there. You just are not aware of it. It's just in the dark. It's just too high above your comfortable little self-love zone. I'm glad you're smiling because I just had a, I just had this realization that some people won't smile at that. They they won't like that self-love zone, you know. They'll that'll sting a little. And you know I don't again, I do not mean to sting. I'm just telling how it is. This is just the way it is. This is not personal. This is just the way the machine works. And a machine is not a person. You're not a person. You're a machine. Until you are a person, there's no reason to take anything personally. And so, naturally, you don't. You take it mechanically, which means you take it personally mechanically. The real point is not the eyes, but the fact that you don't go with them, that you don't identify yourself with them. Who cares what the eyes are? Whether it's Hitler, Stalin, or Mother Teresa, don't go with them. Why? Well, because you're not Hitler, you're not Stalin, and you're not Mother Teresa. They're all dead. You are you. And what are you? A legion. There are many in there. Now start to identify them. Start to observe them. Not identify with them. Start to identify them. Start to separate yourself from them and see them for what they are, whatever they are. And you can't do that if you judge. If you judge, you will not see them all. You will only see the ones that you consider good or you will only see the ones you consider bad. Because either way, it's the same thing. You will only see one side. We're already too one-sided. We need to see the other side. Which is the other side? Well, it's your other side. My other side may be different. Well, what side do you keep in the dark? Do you keep the good side or the bad side in the dark? Or are you one of those people who keeps a little of both in the dark? (laughs) It doesn't matter. You have to figure that out for yourself. You must observe and see. This is your work. As Curtis says in the beginning of the podcast, this work that he talks about has become my work. I love that. This work that he talks about has become my work. And it's like he, whoa, this work that he's talking about has become my work. I'm starting to do it now. It's something that I have to do. Yes, that's right. And he gets excited about that. I'm excited that that other people could, could get this and the other people would start to work. Wow, that's really exciting. 
I don't know if he's so excited about it now, but he was then. I was then. This is now. But it was good. It was a good. Uh, it was a good example of what we do and how we discover it. So what we have to do is not identify ourselves with these eyes that we observe. If you do, then they will exert power over you. You will fall under their influence and you will be out of control. You will be at the effect of them. They will run your life. They will speak through you. They will act through you. They will feel through you. And you will be at their mercy. And they're not nice and they don't like you. So they don't really mean to do you good. So you need to get this. You need to understand this, that they're not your friends. This work is your friend. I know it's hard to believe, but I am your friend. This is what you've got. You know, sometimes it's hard to believe. Sometimes, obviously, it's not hard to believe. But sometimes if if I'm not treating you in the ways that you like to be treated or if it's a little rougher than you're used to or than you like, then, you know, he's not my friend. He's hurting me. But it's like... You go to a dentist and sometimes it's going to hurt. The idea is to stop the disease from hurting you anymore. And we are diseased. In our condition, we are diseased. And this disease needs to be healed. And it's not going to happen overnight. And a lot of it is what you have to do yourself. I can help. I can assist. I can guide. But I can't do it for you. You must do it. So the work says that we can put ourselves under different influences. This is a good thing. Yes, we can be under bad influences, but if we can put ourselves under different influences, then we can put ourselves under better influences or worse influences. This is our wiggle room. This is the little space in the violin case that you're able to move in. You can go with a little bit better eye or you can go with a little bit worse eye. You know what it's like to go with the worse eyes. (laughs) That's easy, but it's a little more difficult to go with the better eyes. Sometimes. Sometimes it just happens and it's grace. And you think, wow, that was wonderful. I wish I could do that all the time. But you can't. Sometimes you have to do the work, the hard work of struggling through it. And do it. Bite the bullet and do it. Nobody's best is always good enough. Sometimes you're going to fail. In fact, you're going to fail more than you succeed. But your success will bring you up higher. Your failure will take you down lower, but you'll bob back to your ordinary level of being. And then from there, you can succeed again. So be of good cheer and be courageous. Don't let this get you down. Don't let these little eyes weigh you down with their lies that you can't do it and you're not good enough. The truth is you can't do it and you're not good enough, but you have help. This work does help. There is a power. There is a source. There is a higher power greater than ourselves that does help us when we get to a certain point. We have to reach that point. We have to get ourselves to that point. But once you get there, there is help. And there may be help even when you can't reach that point. The work says no, but that's not my experience. I have to be true to myself. I cannot just take what someone else says and say, well, that's the way it is because so-and-so said so. If so-and-so didn't say so because it was the truth, I'm not interested in what so-and-so had to say. I want things that are true, not because so-and-so said them, but so-and-so said them because they are true. So what kinds of influences? Well, there are two kinds. A, B, and C influences comprise the first group. C influences are conscious influences, esoteric ideas. And A influences are obviously life influences, those concerned with money, power, position, all that jazz. The stuff that we're interested in. And the other one is the stuff that we're mildly interested in. But when the money, power, position starts to tug on us, we will let the other interest go and go with that because it's more pressing to us, because we're more identified with the physical. These are the facts. This is the reality of it. This is what we have to deal with. We can moan about it, or we can say, these are the facts, this is the reality of it, this is what I have to deal with, so this is where I have to work from. Or you can say, I wish it was some other way, why does it have to be this way, how did we get here, wah, wah, wah. But then you're just spinning your wheels in a mud puddle, which makes for a very messy vehicle, and everything surrounding it. 
So the other group is comprised of eyes in ourselves. When we are full of resentment, believing in it, we put ourselves under negative eyes. Just that simple. You either put yourself under the influence of these ideas or you allow yourself to be influenced by these little negative eyes that pull you down. It's that simple. It's just not easy to do. Unfortunately, negative emotions are like perpetual motion machines. They go on by themselves. What fuel do they consume? Because every machine consumes fuel. We know that. So a perpetual motion machine must consume some kind of fuel in order to perpetually move. Every good and healthy thing in you, if it's allowed to go unchecked, that is what negative emotions will consume. They will consume every good and healthy thing inside of you. They consume your life force. So they'll consume it raw, they'll consume it negative, or they'll consume it good and healthy. It doesn't matter to them. They're going to consume it. So you need to stay away from them. You need to try not to express them, try not to be a part of them, and certainly do not go with them willingly. Now, if you reflect for a moment, you will see that you have gone with negative emotions today willingly. You will see that. If you reflect at all, you have to see that. If you don't reflect, then of course you don't have to see it. You can sit there justified and say, oh, well, he's wrong this time. (laughs) And I have the good fortune of being on the side of the work and the work's not wrong. We go with negative emotions. That's what we do. We love negative emotions. And we lie about it all the time. Why do we lie about it? Because we don't know. We justify it. We don't know. That's why. If this is the case, why do we allow this rampant insanity within ourselves? The attraction is that negative emotions give us pleasant sensations. How do negative emotions give us pleasant sensations? Oh, let me count the ways. I mean, oh my gosh. But see, you have to observe yourself to see this. For somebody who's fresh to this, just new to this, they hear that, it's like, I do not. I don't love negative emotions. That's absurd. (laughs) Well, observe yourself and come back and tell me in two months. Observe yourself properly according to what this work teaches you to observe. You'll see it. Then when you see it, you'll come back with your hat in your hand. Okay, you were right about that. But this other thing, you were wrong about that. Uh Uh-huh. Well, come back in two more months or six more months and tell me after observing for that long. It's like kids. Have you ever noticed your kids, they're smarter than you? You know, they get to a point and all of a sudden they're smarter than you. When did that happen? Like they woke up one morning, they were smarter than you. (laughs) It's amazing. And then they get older and then all of a sudden they come to you for advice again. It's like, well, what happened? Oh, well, I wasn't really that smart as I thought I was. (laughs) Right. It's like Mark Twain said, Samuel Clemens, about his father. He said, when I was 17, my father was so stupid, I couldn't believe he could get out of his own way. So when I became 21, I thought, wow, how did he gain so much wisdom in so few years? That's what he said, sort of loosely interpreted according to the gospel, according to James here. Anyway, the Mark Twain gospel, according to James. Now, where were we? Where was I? Where were we? We're in this together, so where were we? What is it about pleasant sensations that get us? The attraction is negative emotions give us pleasant sensations by giving us a wrong sense of power. That's it. They give us a wrong sense of power. What power? And here's where it comes. Are you ready for this? The power to destroy the happiness of other people in a word. That is the power. And then they justify it with this little phrase. Well, it's the truth, isn't it? Yes, it's the truth. And now you have destroyed the happiness of another for truth's sake, or so you think. And now you're really in trouble because now you have bought your own lie. And now you're under the influence of negative emotions, and now you're defending them. And now you're drowning. But you don't know it because you think you're right. And trust me, there's nothing more pitiable than that. You see that and it's like, ouch, there's nothing you can do. There's no lifesaver, there's no pole, there's no rope, there's nothing for that person. Nothing can come from the outside from you and help them. They must get control inside. They must see their own lie. And that is not something that we are inclined to do.
It's not in our nature to do that the way we are now. It's not the nature of our being as we are. It is in our nature, however, and that is our hope. It's just that that nature, our true nature, is so high above us right now that it's almost unbelievable. What you could be is unbelievable compared to what you are. It's just unbelievable. We can't even imagine it. And if you do imagine it, you get stuck in imagination, and then once you're stuck in imagination, you imagine that you are it, and now you're in worse shape. Because you're not it, but you imagine you are it, and so you'll never try to get to it because you imagine you are it. This is a tough road, man. It's just tough. It's not easy. And I know I say that a lot, but it's true, and you've got to get it sooner or later. And the people who don't get it, quit it. And the people who do get it, sometimes quit it. But they have a better chance of coming back to it. So he's like, Curtis got it one day. He got how tough it was. And he looked at life and he said, well, I got some things to do before I do this. And he went and did them. And then after he did them and did them and did them, he said, you know, this really stinks. This wasn't nearly as wonderful as I thought it was going to be. And so he said, I got to go back. I got to go back to the work. I'll never be happy. I'm going to die like this. And so he did. But it's because he saw something in the beginning. And that something made him run, but it's the same something that made him come back. The people who never see that something just run and they never come back. And that's their path. That's their thing. So that's why we allow the rampant insanity within ourselves. The power to destroy the happiness of others with the word, whether we sting them in vengeance or school them, makes no difference. It's the same thing. Whether you're teaching them a lesson or you're just getting even makes no difference. There's no degree of negativity here. It's violent, it's wrong, and it will destroy you. Now, when I say it's wrong, I don't mean it's wrong in the world. Of course it's right in the world. That's what the world is. The world is nothing but a big sea of violence of people destroying one another's happiness blissfully. That's them exerting power over other people. Wars, murder, stealing, raping, robbing, assaulting, all of those things. That's people exerting power over other people. Negative emotions running rampant, that violence. That's the world. It's not wrong in the world. In the world, that's what you're supposed to do. But if you wish to develop, it then is wrong. Now, why do I make that distinction? Because I don't want you judging the world. Because that will suck you right back into negative emotions. You have no right to judge the world. They're doing what they're doing. You're doing what you're doing. You have a different goal than the world has. The world doesn't have this goal. Until the world does have this goal, you cannot judge them for what they're doing. If you do judge them for what you're doing, you're judging unrighteously. If you judge unrighteously, you're bringing down a world of woe on your own head. Don't do that. Now, don't do it doesn't mean don't do it because I said don't do it. Don't do it means that's your warning. You must see that for yourself now. If you wish to make someone loathe the truth, use it as a club to teach them a lesson. This is what we do with our children and our spouses (laughs) and probably everybody else in life. But most, we do it close to home first. That's the first place we really start to do this. As attested to by, (laughs) I have here, by PKs, that's preacher's kids. (laughs) As attested to by preacher's kids, it works like a charm. A preacher's kid is going to be a bad boy or bad girl. Why? Because the truth was used on them like a club and they loathe it. It destroys our own power of happiness, too, but it's a small price to pay for vengeance and the power it gives us over others. Tearing down takes much less effort than building up as well. Look at the power to tear something down. Look at how many people like to go and watch those buildings blown up in Las Vegas when they're tearing one down to put up another one and they do the whole thing so that it all collapses on itself. Look at how many times they film that and how many people love to go watch those things. We love destruction. It's power. We love that power. Why violence can never work is because it gives no inner peace, something humanity has yet to learn. 
It gives no inner peace. You can never hit someone back enough who has harmed you. You always owe them one more, just one more. They didn't get it yet. They just need one more. There's never enough. This is the sad part of internal considering, account keeping, mounting up debts for other people they can never pay because you're adding interest constantly. It's compounded instantaneously and forever until you cancel the debt completely. And most people can't do that because they can't relinquish the power. Why can't they relinquish the power? Because they feel they have no power of their own. What's so bad about that? Well, nothing, actually. That's really the greatest thing could ever happen to you, is when you genuinely realize you are powerless. When you genuinely get that and accept it and embrace it, that's the only time you can really get help. Think of the power one bitter, unkind remark has to destroy an entire room full of people enjoying themselves. And trust me, the person who makes it knows it. The power is nearly absolute. And remember that absolute power corrupts absolutely. This work says humanity isn't governed by sex or power, but by negative emotions. Negative emotions give power to destroy, and thus we embrace them. Hoarding, bitterness, revenge, and accounts can't lead to anything more than increasing negative states. It can't do it. And yet we continue to do something thinking that somehow it's going to work for our good. And it never does, but it still gives us this power over others, the power of evil, the power to destroy, the power to hurt. Yes, it's grim, and I know I'm hitting it pretty hard because you're really starting to look heavy. So let's lighten up a little bit. Okay, good, that's better. <laughs> See, this isn't what esotericism teaches us to do. You've got to realize for yourself why this is undesirable, why it's inappropriate, why it's counterproductive. And the heaviness is you're starting to see that you do this. Okay, so the problem is you're identified with what it is that you're doing. You're not seeing that you're not one but many. So lighten up. That is not I. Yes, that, all that stuff happens. All those eyes inside of me exist. Yes, they do. That's not what I wish. Is it what you wish? No. Especially when I lay it out like this. Like, oh, this is awful. I don't want to be like that. And that's good. You need to see this. You can't be under the influence of something higher if you hate others, collect resentments, and make daily accounts of what people owe you. So that's nice. It's simple. You want to get under the influence of something higher, give that stuff up. How do you do that? Go with the better and don't willfully go with the negative. That's how you do that. Can you do it every time? No. Do it when you can. Don't willfully go with the negative. You have to wake up a little not to do that. You have to remember yourself a little. You can't remember yourself. Fine. Then remember the work. Remember me. Remember this group. Remember something that points to this. Face in the right direction. Turn in the right direction. Let the work help you. Let me help you. Let the group help you. Let yourself help you. Let your better eyes help you. Because you're under the influence of the negative part of the emotional center, only growth possible is more evil and negative emotions. When you get yourself out from under the influence of the negative part of the emotional center, growth then becomes possible. There's a remedy. What is the remedy? What is the remedy to all of this? All of this horror, all of this legion of evil inside of us, all of these negative eyes that want power over other people and don't mind hurting them to show it, to exercise it, that enjoy it. What is the remedy to this? Externally consider. That's the remedy. Put yourself in the position of the person who treated you in that way, that made you feel resentful. Put yourself in their position. Try to see yourself as they see you. This isn't easy. <laughs> it's not, but it's not impossible. It's not easy, but it's also not impossible. You can do this. You can actually get yourself in the position of the person who is insulting you and see what they see. And then you will be able to praise them for their self-restraint. You really will. Honest, this really is true. Once you start to see what they see, it's like, oh, well, thank you for being so kind about that. I promise you a soft answer turns away wrath. You will be amazed at what that will do. Jesus said, agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the road with them. The same thing. Agree with your adversary quickly. 
So what you do is you put yourself in their position. You see what they see, and you see, yes, you're right. I have that. Yes, that's the way I've behaved. It's like I've told you before. It's like when people get angry with me, I say, what can I say? They're justified. And you say, well, they're no, they're no, they're not. And I say, oh, yes, they are. I've done plenty of things. Maybe you don't know about them. Maybe I don't know about them. But I've done plenty of things. I'm imperfect. I've given people plenty of excuses to be angry. If that's what they want, I've given plenty of excuses. Real, justified, bona fide, real, stupid blunders that I've made. Well, that wasn't your intention. That doesn't matter. If you trip over someone, if you step on someone's toe and you didn't mean to, that doesn't matter. They have cause for offense. And if they wish to take it, they can, even if you didn't mean to give it. They can steal it. That's their business. They have that right. You have the right not to be negative. Are you going to exercise that right or the other one? So externally consider. That's the point. Try to see yourself as they see you. Of course, being perfect, that will be really difficult. (laughs) Because to ourselves, we are perfect. And where we're not perfect, we're justified. We have just cause. We have reason why we're not like that. It's really not our fault which is probably true. But they apparently didn't see our perfection. We could school them, but usually that doesn't work. What happens is that just builds up more of whatever it is they've got going because it looks like self-defense and it looks like attack on them because when you're defending yourself, you really are attacking someone else. You're attacking their perception. And if you're attacking their perception in their eyes, you're attacking them. So, yeah, it's difficult when you're perfect to see what the other person may see in you that's not perfect. But try anyway. You could get a glimpse. And if you do, you're better off with that. Just don't identify. Remember, there are 7 billion other people on the planet feeling resentment. Maurice Nicole said, This thought may rob you of any private deliciousness in the enjoyment of feeling negative and vengeful and the feeling of importance as a bearer of harmful and stinging remarks. Yes, Maurice Nicole really did say this. I'm not just saying this under my pen name of Maurice Nicole. I'm not just telling you this so that I could get off the hook. Maurice Nicole really did say this. It may make you feel that you are nothing but a very ordinary man and so of no value in the work. That's the end of Maurice Nicole. What I'm going to say next is from me. (laughs) The realization of your nothingness is your friend when it comes to development. Seeing that you're just an ordinary person, that you're no one really. You're nobody special. You're just another one of nearly 7 billion other people on the planet who are all feeling the same thing and bounced around in this ping pong match by the same paddles. You're the same pickle in the middle, just as all the rest of us. Nothing special about your pain. There's nothing special about your life. There's nothing special about your story. There's nothing special about your disease. There's nothing special about your hemorrhoids. You're just like all the other people who have them. That probably wasn't supposed to come out, but I can always edit that out. So you get my drift. And so embrace your nothingness. Embrace your sameness and just allow it. Don't identify with any of this nonsense, either your wonderfulness or your nothingness. Don't identify with it. Just accept it. Accept the fact. You're one of nearly 7 billion and they're all feeling the same thing. They're all doing the same thing. Your choice is to work on yourself. I recommend that. That's the only way out. You will get help. You'll get a lot of help, but you must begin by making the effort. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.